Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Great to see everyone. Welcome to those who are online. Um, just so that you're aware, we will be taking communion today. Uh, so if you just want to get yourself organized for that, that would be great. For those who are here, you are already organized for that. Um, but here we are again, um, ordinary people here to worship an extraordinary God. And I pray that we experience his presence in just such a special way today. So let's just pray and let's just invite God into all that happens in this place today. Father, we just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us today in this gathering. Father, we're here to give glory to you. We're here to worship you. We're here to worship the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And Father, we just come. And Lord, we've come from so many different experiences this week. Father, some good and some bad. And, and Father, we just come with all of the things that have been happening in our lives today. And Lord, you know what we're coming with today. And Lord, we, we just pray, help us to put those things aside today. Father, to cast our cares upon you, if that's the case. Because Father, we know that you care for us. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. And so Father, come and move amongst us, we pray. Lord, we, we just want to worship you today. We want to give glory to your name. And so we we ask that you'd help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Do you want to stand?
Father, we pray that you would come through your spirit and that you would fill the spaces that we create in our lives for you. That you would come and fill the spaces in our lives, Father, that we create for you. Father, we know that we need to empty ourselves in order for you to come and fill us. Father, I think of the words of John the Baptist who said that he, Jesus, must, uh, that he, uh, John, must decrease and that Jesus must increase. He, he realized that his time, uh, his time was coming uh, where he would have less of a role and that Jesus would uh, take over from where he had left off. And it's just this picture of humility, this picture of, of John the Baptist, a, a man full of humility. He recognized Jesus when he came and he said, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoelaces just such a picture of humility and Father my, my prayer is that we would be in that same place that we would make room for you in our lives Father that we would become less in order that you might come and be more that you would be more in our lives that you would fill the spaces in our lives Father that we would exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, that we would be overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. And Father, I just pray, come in this moment and, and fill the spaces in our lives with your Spirit, that we might overflow with the things of the Spirit, Father, in our lives. Father, that other people would see, other people would recognize that there's something unique about these people. There's something overflowing from them that's different. And so, Father, we pray that you would minister minister today. And Father, as we come to take communion, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, that you would come with your words and that your words would fill the spaces in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you come in these moments. Father, that you bring healing to those who need healing. Bring your shalom to those who feel troubled today. Father, may we experience your presence. Lord, we pray that as we take bread, which reminds us of the body of Jesus, which was broken for us, as we take wine, which reminds us of his blood, which was shed for us. Father, we pray that there be something of heaven would be revealed to us afresh this morning. Father, that it would be an impartation from your presence into our hearts today. Come and fill the spaces, we pray. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On that night when he was betrayed, he took bread with his disciples, even Judas, who betrayed him. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and then there's this encouragement for us to, to look at ourselves to examine our own hearts we're going to continue reading on from verse 27 therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord and it goes on to say, a man ought to examine himself. A man or a woman must examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. And Father, we pray that as we come to take communion this morning, Father, that you'd help us to examine our own hearts. Father, maybe for some of us, there are things in our heart this morning that we need to let go. We need to confess to you. We need to give them to you before we take bread, before we take wine. And Father, we just pray that you would hear our confession this morning and Father as we confess our sins to you Father we know that you're faithful and just to forgive us 
and to make us clean, to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness, everything that's bad and corrupt within us. You can clean us up from the inside out and give us a fresh start. And so, Father, we just pray that that would be our experience today. Let's just take the bread which reminds us of Jesus' body. Let's take it together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this bread which reminds us of the body of Jesus which was broken for us. Father, how can we begin to understand what he went through and endured that we might receive forgiveness of sins? Father, help us to understand, help us to apprehend, and Father, help us to appreciate what Jesus has done for us. We thank you this morning in his name. Father, we thank you for the wine which reminds us of that blood which was shed for us. That blood that cleanses us, Father. That blood which, when applied to our lives, Father, we find the power in it. Lord, we, we, thank, you. we thank you that Jesus was willing to go to that cross and to shed his blood on our behalf. And so, Father, as we take this wine, help us to remember the, the price that was paid by Jesus for for our sin that we might walk in forgiveness and freedom in Jesus name Amen Oh Lord we thank you and Father just as we take a moment to remember people in the fellowship who need our prayers Lord we know that there are people who are sick today who need a touch from you. Father, we think of Sue and Barbara, many others as well, Father, but Lord, those who need a touch in their bodies from you. And Father, we pray that you come by your spirit and that you administer healing power in Jesus' precious name. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted across the world, Lord, particularly those in India at the moment who are experiencing uh, just this rising wave of persecution. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen our brothers and sisters. Lord, strengthen them and help them to endure and help them to hold on to the faith which you have caused to come alive within their hearts. And Lord, we pray for organizations who are helping them uh, on the ground there. Father, we pray that you give them the resources and all that they need to be able to do that. And Lord, we pray for those who are struggling today. Father, whatever that situation may be, Lord, you see our hearts, you see our need. And Lord, we just present those struggles to you. Father, just aware that you tell us so often to cast our cares upon you. Father, you encourage us to take your yoke, that yoke which is easy, that burden which is light. Father, you encourage us not to strive. And Lord, I pray today that you'd help us not to strive with things whether it's a workplace situation, a relationship, a temptation, Father, whatever it may be, Father, help us not to strive, but to lean into you and to come to you in total faith and trust, Lord, knowing that you are able to change the circumstances. And Father, even if the circumstances don't change, you're able to change us in the circumstances. And so, Father, we pray for each of us, Lord, that you'd cause faith to rise within our hearts. And Lord, I pray for Norman today, Lord, uh, somebody whose name has been brought to our attention today, Father, somebody who needs a touch in their body from you. Lord, we just bring Norman into your presence through prayer. Lord, you know all about him, his situation, and Lord, we just present him to you in prayer this morning. And Father, we ask that you bring healing healing into his body. Father, may he see your power at work in his life. And Lord, we pray that you bring a transformation in his situation. <clears throat> and Father, we present <clears throat> all these prayers 
and requests to you with thanksgiving today. Lord, we are thankful, we are grateful for all that you have done, are doing, and by faith we know you will do in our lives. And so, Father, help us to continue to hold on to you and to the things which you're saying, the things which you're doing in our lives, the things which you're doing in this church. Lord, we pray for our country's leaders, Lord, at this point in time, they need strength. Lord, they need courage. They need wisdom. And Father, we ask that you would just pour these things into their lives, that they may be able to lead our nation and the nations, Father, with wisdom and, Lord, in such a, a clear uh, a clear way, Father, that they would have such a, a wisdom and clarity and leadership. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 It's good to be in God's presence. And I, I believe God is here. I believe God wants to say some things into our hearts, into our lives today. And as we just lean into what he wants to say to us, I hope that we just hear something afresh in him today. We're going to be getting to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. I'm going to read from, uh, I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you want to uh, just turn in your Bibles to that. And then I'm going to share um, a few thoughts off the back of that. Thank you to the guys who've been leading and serving today. Uh, we really appreciate you and the things which you do. Welcome to those who are here visiting with us. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but it's great if you're visiting with us, you're more than welcome to be here. Um, let's read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a, we're continuing, we've been looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, I'll, I'll do my intro in a wee second. Let's just read the scriptures for now. It says, finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in, what, uh, sorry, in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. We urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And then it takes a slight change uh, in where Paul is going here. He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What a powerful, powerful uh, part of Scripture. I don't know about you, but I read those words, especially as I draw towards the, the end of that chapter, and I just get excited as I think about what God has in store for those who trust and follow him. Just to give you a slight recap, um, chapter one was all about the model church, and to be a model church, we need to be model Christians. And we thought about that. Chapter two, we went and thought about model leadership, how Paul was this model leader to the church. And we thought about how we, in our circumstances, can be a model leader wherever we find ourselves. 
And then last week in chapter 3, we thought about mutual concern, the, the mutual concern of Paul for the church and of the church for Paul and the problems associated with separation. And we thought about some of the, the things that are happening in the church these days. And chapter 4, I want, I've entitled it Our Manner of Living. And there are two sections, as you probably noticed. Um, the first one was about all about how we live to please God. And the New Testament is brimming over with ways and instructions of how we can obey God. Living to please God. And then the second part we read there was about the coming of the Lord. And I, I plan today to deal with them in reverse order. So I'm going to talk first about the coming of the Lord and then go into living to please God. You know, it's, this is not the only reason, but I want to suggest from this passage that the coming of the Lord is our reason for living to please God. Here's a, a real fact. Jesus is coming back again. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You probably have because I've preached on it and hopefully you've thought about it. But the amount of prophecies that were made in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Jesus that have been fulfilled and the second coming of Jesus which is yet to be fulfilled. And the chances of even a handful of those prophecies coming are so remote that it couldn't happen by chance. And we have seen through history, Jesus is not only a biblical character, he is a historical person who died and who rose again, and there is evidence that we can see to prove that that is the case. Therefore, we can look forward to the second coming of Jesus. Don't know about you, I haven't heard many messages about the second coming for a very long time. When I was a wee guy, just in single figures, I would hear people speaking about the second coming of Jesus. And I think when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he had this imminent expectation that Jesus would come back. The problem is when we go on in time, we begin to lose that expectation. And losing that expecta expectation can then impact the way that we live our lives. Now, I'm going to share something really personal today. And it goes back to 2005, and I had a crucial question that became my heart cry of prayer. I had just started in ministry in the church as Andrew's assistant pastor at the time, and had been going from 100 miles an hour, working for Crusaders, to coming into the church and just exploring a new role and beginning to get into a new role. And in the May of that year, my dad passed away. And I was looking for hope in a dark time. And I want to suggest today, through experience, not only my own, but listening to others, that faith sees the circumstances and says, God can and I will. Faith sees the circumstances and says, God can and I will. God can do the impossible and I will will choose to trust him. I will choose to trust his promises. I will choose to trust his presence in my life. Trusting Jesus in a dark place, looking for answers, looking for meaning, and looking for the answer to that question, where, where has my dad gone? Very, very real. And I found the answer in scripture. I found it in the passage that I read today. No need to go to spiritualists. No need to look outside of the church for answers. We find the answer in Christ. We find the answer in the living word of God who is Jesus. And that's who this scripture is about. Let me, let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Does that excite you? that Jesus died for our sin and he rose again. It's amazing. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. God will bring with Jesus future tense. And the Greek word that it uses there is that there is a togetherness. There is a coming together. 
And I found in the reading of that passage the answer to my prayer, the answer to my big question, the answer to my dilemma in a dark place. Where is he? He's with Jesus. Do you know, sometimes we need to find the answer for ourselves. It's all good and well listening to a sermon, listening to somebody else's experience, but when we find ourselves in the dark place, we need to search for the answer, and we search for it in Christ. That, for me, was a light bulb moment. That, for me, was a revelation that led to an impartation. God showed me something that allowed his shalom, his peace, his wholeness, his well-being to come into my life. Just this overwhelming sense of, okay, I get it. I understand. And Paul is trying to say the same thing to the people here in Thessalonica. We read about the establishing of this church in Acts chapter 17, and it tells us that Paul was at the synagogue three Sundays in a row, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. This was back in 49 to 51 AD, around 16 to 18 years after Jesus had went back to be with his father. And Paul is writing to them just one or two years later and trying to encourage this fledgling church and build them up in their faith. And he said, you're already doing it, but keep doing it more and more. You're already trusting, keep trusting more and more. You're already loving your brothers and sisters, keep doing it more and more. And I want to encourage us in the good things that we're doing today to keep doing them more and more. And in this part of the letter, Paul is dealing with a question about people who have died in Christ. And it could be that even some of these people had died as a result of persecution. Whatever the case, we know that Paul is writing to them to impart knowledge. What does he say? We don't want you to be ignorant. We use that word ignorant in so many different ways these days, but really it means lacking knowledge. But Paul is also sharing that they might be comforted, that they might have that hope that they would not grieve as the rest of men who have no hope. And for me, the return of the king, the king of kings, is a, li a living reality, a driving force in my life. I believe that Jesus is coming back again one day. I believe that Jesus is coming back and the dead in Christ will rise first and that we who remain will be caught up together to meet him. Therefore, it begs the question, how should we live our lives? How should we live our lives? I'm behind in my presentation. I'm getting too excited. I think we should live expectantly, obediently, and transparently. And I want to work through these things very quickly. Living expectantly that Jesus will, in fact, return. What does verse 16 say? It says, for the Lord himself will come. He will come down from heaven. It will be sudden. And borrowing a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which we'll go into next week, it says that he will come like a thief in the night. I hear a song coming on. For those who are old enough to remember that song, like a thief in the night, he will come. I think it was Larry Norman that did that song from memory. He will come like a thief in the night. If you knew when the thief was coming, you would be prepared and the thief wouldn't have a chance. And this is the thing. This is what the disciples were asking Jesus. When's it going to happen and what will be the sign of your return? What does Jesus say? He says, watch out that you're not deceived. He says, and keep a look over your own life. Watch yourself. And what is it going to say? That the Christians who have died will be raised to life just like Jesus was raised to life. And God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then it goes on to say, that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then, in verse 17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. It's all about the resurrection. It's all about Jesus. And it says that we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. What an incredible thing. If Jesus came back right now, 
would you be ready? Are you ready? If Jesus came back right now for his church, would you be ready? Would you be ready to meet the King of Kings? When was the last time we met the King of Kings in prayer, in our personal time, and said, see all this stuff in the life that we talked about earlier. Forgive me. Make me clean. I'm ready to meet you now. Would you be ready if Jesus returned right now? And the second question is, do you have a sure knowledge that you are a Christian? Do you have a sure knowledge that the Holy Spirit lives within you? Have you invited him in to your heart? Do you have that sure and certain knowledge? I've spoken to Christians over the years, and they'll say, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or not. And that confuses me slightly, because for me, it's really obvious, and I learned it when I was just a wee kid. And I'd, I actually prayed a prayer when I was six years old. Here he goes again, talking about that story. <laughs> but I'm sorry, it's my story, and some people might, might not have heard it. Getting out of my bed and kneeling by my bedside and asking Jesus to come in. Jesus, I know that I've done things that are wrong. Forgive me, make me clean, come in and help me to live the way that you want me to. Six years old, my first experience of inviting Jesus into my life. I've had a few other experiences of inviting Jesus into my life since then. Are we sure? Are we sure? Are we ready? And it leads us on to the second point about living obediently. We must have an increasing ability to say yes to God and no to the things which God doesn't want in our lives. I call it the trinity of evil, the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh is our old nature. What's our old nature? Our old nature is what surfaces on those moments when we get up, up out of bed on the wrong side and we are like Mr. Grumpy, and that's when somebody says something and we react to it and we go, I'm really sorry I shouldn't have said that. That's the old nature. That's the bit that we're trying to put to death. That's the bit that we're trying to get rid of and be filled, make room for the Lord, the flesh, the world, its systems and structures, and its increasing desire to be free of God. I don't know if you've noticed that. In our society, people want to be rid of God. They want to be free of God, to be free to do your own thing. The Bible tells me that freedom is found in a person, and it's found in Jesus. It says that the Son, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, real freedom. And then the flesh, the world, and the devil. We know about the devil. Our adversary, that's what Satan means, an adversary. The devil, the person, the, the spirit uh, who comes against us and tries to pull us away from God. And so we need to fight against that. We need to say no to that, and we need to say yes to God. And there are a number of things that Paul touches on, and I'm going to just briefly touch on them as we go through this. He talks about sexual purity. Faith sees the circumstances, and the circumstances might be temptation. Faith sees the circumstances and says, God can and I will. God can rescue me in the temptation, and I will choose to obey God rather than to obey the old nature, that fleshly part of us. Our temptation can be pixels or it can be a person. We need to resist temptation. We need to be pure. And God can give us the power to do that. We need to be in possession. Possession of what? Possession of ourselves. Bible talks about self-control, a fruit of the Spirit. And I was reading in a book where somebody went for coffee with somebody. Uh, no, they met up with somebody and they said, do you want a coffee? And they said, no. And he's like, why? He's like, well, sometimes I just like to say no to something that I want. And I thought, I, I was gobsmacked by that. I thought, the Bible talks about deny yourself, but we don't necessarily think about even in simple things like that. There's, there's an opportunity, there's an idea. Somebody asks you, do you want a coffee? You say, no, thanks, I'm good. Really, I want a coffee, but I'm good. Just practice. Practice self-control. <laughs> be in possession of yourself. The third thing that I see is to be honest. Be honest in your speech. Be honest in your dealings with other people. Because when you're honest, 
People know that when what you're saying, when you're saying something, what you're saying is the truth. If we are in the habit of slipping in little white ones, people don't know if they can trust us as not or, or not. And let me say, there's no such thing as a little white lie. Okay? That's a lie in itself. There are no white lies. There are there is just truth or falsehood. A or B, one or zero, up or down. <laughs> be honest. Be honest in your dealings with other people. Be holy. And again, it's talking about purity. It's about talking about cleanness in our thoughts, words, and actions. Be loving. And I'm not talking about lovey-dovey, okay? Mary knows she's shaking her head right at the front here. <laughs> I am not one of those lovey-dovey types. But I do think that love is robust. Love is robust. What does John chapter 3 verse 16 say? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love is robust. I see love in a person. I see love in a person who hung on a cross for my sin. Love is robust. And Paul's urging these people to love more and more. He's not saying that they're not loving. Timothy's come back with this good report about their faith, and he's saying, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Why? Because love is the hallmark of a Christian. What does Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. It's the hallmark of a Christian. Why? Because God is love. John, the beloved disciple, tells us that God is love. It goes on to say, be quiet. Make it your aim to live a quiet life. There's a challenge. Some of us want to be right in the middle of every situation, every conversation, every problem saying, I've got the solution, I've got an idea. And sometimes we just want to be by the side of a river with a fishing rod in our hand. I don't know what people are laughing at. I have no idea. <laughs> Make it your aim to live a quiet life. I don't know about you, but I, I want to live a peaceful, quiet life. That's why the Bible urges us to pray for our leaders, that we might live a quiet life. It goes on to say, be industrious. Work with your hands. Do something constructive so that you've got your own income and able to contribute to the, hand, the lives of others. As George used to say to me, don't work too hard, but work. Don't work too hard, but work. God has given, if God has given you the ability to work with your hands, then work. And lastly, to be generous. God intends for us to work, to be industrious so that we have something to contribute to the lives of others. And there's something in there about being responsible. And all the stuff that I've done in chaplaincy over the years, the one thing that I've learned is that we need to be responsible citizens, global citizens. Don't work too hard. Make sure you take your Sabbath, but work. And lastly, thirdly, to live transparently. And I was thinking recently about lessons hard won things which I have experienced. And I began to write some things down in my notes and thinking, do you know, it took me a while to learn that. And it was a bit of a difficult process learning that. But now that I've learned that, I feel like a better person having learned it. And one of the things that I wrote down was our credibility comes from Christ, not the community. And it all stemmed from something that the late Joel Edwards said at conference this year. And it struck such a deep and resonant chord within me I don't know about you, I really know that God has been speaking to me in this whole area. And this is what Joel Edwards said. He says, one of the weaknesses of the church at the moment is to believe that our credibility comes from secular observations of who we are and what we're here to do. We just need to pay a little more attention to what the Bible says about who we are and what we're here to do. Those words really challenged me as I thought about what I have been doing to serve God as a Christian. And the danger that creeps in 
Because I've heard it time and time again as I've been in the community and meeting with people who are not Christians but know what the church is here to do and how it should do it. And, and I remember times where I've listened to that and I thought, oh, that's quite cool. But actually, the temptation is to think that we're doing this to win the respect of outsiders. That's what Paul was saying here. He's talking about the way that we live so that we uh, uh, will we'll win the respect of outsiders. And it's good to have respect, but at the end of the day, it's God's approval that is of great consequence. God's approval. What does God think about what you're doing and why you're doing it? It's nice when we get recognized for what we do. And it's tempting to do things to win people's favor. Can I just say that? from a personal point of view, in the church here, it can be tempting to do things to win people's favor. But at the end of the day, when I stand before God, I will stand there on my own. And what you think about me on that day will not matter. What will matter will be what God thinks of me in that moment, in that day, what he thinks of me and the way that I've used my time, my talents, and my treasure, what he thinks. And God is the one that we should look to. We serve God, and our reward is in him. We do things to serve him. And if the community claps its hands in applause. That's great. But never forget that since its inception, Christianity has never been winning the popularity vote. The church has never been popular. Because as soon as we begin to speak truth into society, somebody will object to what we're saying. The Bible and the people of God have always been countercultural. That was the problem back in the Old Testament days with the people, the children of Israel, was that they began to settle for the community's applause. They began to worship other gods. They began to do all sorts of things and set up all sorts of idols and practices. There are children present, so I'm not going to talk about some of the things that they did. And God was disgusted with them. And so God judged them, and they went into exile and God eventually brought them back because God is a God who's just, who's loving, who's merciful, and who's gracious. People may judge you, but God is the only judge, the just judge, who you should be concerned about because his judgment is of great consequence. And he is the one that will stand before one day. And remember that the coming of the Lord is a reason for living to please God. And there'll come a day when God will open the book. I've got a book here. It's actually my song words. Imagine this. There'll come a day when God will open the book of your life. We were watching a TV series called Loki. And there's this moment where Loki is sitting at a desk in front of somebody. And this big massive pile of papers gets slammed down in the desk. And he says, what's that? And the man writes on it. And he says, that's all the things you've ever said or ever done. And he just added, what's that, into his notes. God sees everything that we do, every thought, every word, every action, whether good or bad, and everything goes into the book. And the Bible tells us that there'll come a day when the books will be opened, and we will stand before God, and He'll open our book, and He will ask us, to give an account of the things that are written in the book. I don't know about you, I want a whole bunch of things in my book to be redacted, blacked out, no longer taken into account. What does the Bible say when we confess our sins? He's faithful and just to forgive us. Redacted, 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 redacted. I don't know about you, there's... I think there's going to be a lot of black bits in my book. Redacted. What's left at the end of it? Is it just stuff that's going to get burned up like the Bible talks about? Wood, hay, and stubble. What's left in the book? 
And the Bible talks about another book which will be opened on the last day. And it's called the book of life. And it tells us that only those whose names are written in the book of life will have access into the eternal presence of God. Those who, whose names are written in the book of life. When I was a wee boy of six years old, and I prayed that prayer, my name got written in that book. I think there have been a few times where God's been ready with his rubber. <laughs> Said, oh no, oh, okay, we'll, we'll just leave you for the time being. I did say there's been more than one moment where I've invited Jesus into my life. After some of the things that I've said and done and thought, I'm like, oh my goodness. But God is faithful and just to forgive us and to make us clean. And I don't think actually when I lift up my book, it'll be full of black marks. It's more like it's just been erased. God says that when he forgives us, it goes into the sea of his forgetfulness. Actually, there's no black marks. There's no redaction. It's just clean pages. And I will give an account. I will give an account for the things that I've done. Just recently, we were doing a pastoral visit. And when we were finished the visit, we were asked to sign the visitor's book. I'm like, I've not done that in ages. Signed the visitor's book. So, date little comment, little signature. And you know, that made me think, it made me think about this book of life. There was a moment when I was six years old when I came into God's presence and he said, your name's in the visitor's book. In fact, it's more than a visitor's book. We know that. It's the book, the book of life. Your name's in the book. You've been in my presence I want to encourage you to get your name in the book. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get your name in the book. It's a simple prayer away. And we can come into his presence today through prayer, through prayer, and just invite God in through that simple prayer. And if we're struggling with things today, if we're struggling with temptation, all it is is, coming into his presence with a simple prayer and say, okay, redact, 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 make me clean, wash it away actually, wash me clean, make me clean, give me a fresh start today. And we can come into his presence through prayer with that confession. My name is in the book of life. I don't really understand what all that means if I'm being totally honest, but I know that my name is written in his book. And when I stand before him and he opens up the book, he'll begin down the list, all the R's, all, there he is there. Tick, VG, good boy, hopefully, hopefully. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Father, we pray. We pray that you would make us ready. I think of that hymn that we sing at Christmas time, the children's one, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Father, make us ready. And Lord, if we're unwilling to be ready, make us willing to be willing to be ready. Father, I pray that we would be ready in our daily lives. Father, that we would live holy lives before you clean and pure before you. Father, so that when we stand before you on that day, we will have a clean sheet. Father, that our good works will be recorded in that book of our lives. And Father, that when we stand before you to give an account, Lord, that we on that day will be ready. Lord, if Jesus had to return today, Lord, may we be ready for his return watchful, expectant, ready for his return, living obediently, living transparently with our church family and in our community. Father, where people can see Jesus in us. And Father, make us ready. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart today, uh, invited into your heart, 
uh, Jesus into your heart, then today is the day when you can do that. A simple prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you repeat this prayer in your heart after me saying it. And invite Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. And get your name written in that book once and for all. And I just sense that as I'm saying once and for all, that there are people who have been running in the opposite direction. And God is saying to you, it's time to stop, it's time to turn around, and it's time to run towards him. And to make that decision today. Let's just pray this prayer. Pray into yourself after me. Dear God, I recognize that I've been on the run from you, doing my own thing, whether good or bad, living life the way that I wanted to live it. Today I choose to stop running, to turn around and to follow you. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me clean. Make me pure. Give me a fresh start today. May my name be written in your book, that book of life. And may you strengthen me to live your way. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I pray that if anyone has prayed that prayer, that you would strengthen them, that you would come in and that you would give them courage and confidence to tell somebody else that they've prayed that prayer and to trust in your goodness. And may they experience your presence in such a powerful way this week. Father, for all of us, we pray this week that we would experience your presence in such a powerful way. Father, that you do new things in our lives, that new things would open up to us. Father, that as we empty ourselves of all the stuff of our lives that distracts us and takes away from you having your place in our lives. Father, we pray that you would uh, come in and fill us to overflowing, that your spirit would come and fill us, that we may be strengthened to do the things which you want us to do. Father, we confess that we can't do this in our own, but Father, we're not asked to do it in our own, that your spirit comes and strengthens us. And so, Father, we pray, come, move amongst us, Come into our hearts, into our lives, into our homes, into our workplaces. Father, for those of us who have responsibilities for people, Lord, we pray that you would come in and give us uh, a special wisdom and insight as to how to, to respond to people and deal with people in the workplace. Lord, that we may be your ambassadors in that place as well. Father, for those who are involved in education, Father, we pray that at this moment in time that they would be refreshed and restored and, and able to re relax and, and rest and be refreshed. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to do your work in us, in this church. Father, we pray your blessing on every family, on every individual, Father, in every situation that we find ourselves. Lord, we pray that we would experience your presence, that we would experience that blessing that comes directly from your presence. And so may the Lord bless us with peace this week. May the Lord bless us with provision for those who have lack. Lord, may you bless us with people around us to support us, to stand alongside us and to help us in our times of need. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and have a great week. Enjoy his presence. And again, if you're needing prayer for anything, please uh, give us a shout. And I'm being reminded that there's one little job I still need to do for track and trace, and it's to do this photograph malarkey. If you can just stay where you are for a little second, the Lord bless you. Have a great week. Take care.